The sponsor for the month is Banner of Truth. If you're looking for a conference that's organized to help you rest, has faithful preachers that you've never heard about, because more than five preachers in North America know how to preach, and will focus on great themes of the Bible, then I would encourage you to consider attending the Banner of Truth East Coast Ministers Conference May 24th through the 26th in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania. The conference theme this May will be on communion with God. It's a conference for men in the ministry and for those praying about entering the ministry. Men come to this conference again and again because of the like-minded fellowship, great books that are on sale, and the way it helps them recalibrate their hearts in the ministry. You can learn more at thebanneroftruth.org backslash ministers. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. I'm excited to be back with a good buddy of mine. I'm talking to my friend, Scott Tungay. How's it going, man? Yeah, doing well, brother. It's nice to be back. Well, since we've talked, I, man, I think the first time I had you on the show is maybe a year and a half ago on this show. And, you know, we do the Majesty's Men show. We've, we've been on before that several times at this point. But since I've had you on this show, uh, I guess you've been back to South Africa and then back. How was your latest trip, man? Was it a lot of fun? Yeah, yeah man, it was so good. Went back to visit uh, visit family I've got over there um, and uh, just take care of some some property we, we have over there. And uh yeah, man, such a blessing to uh, to be able to be back in the place where you grew up and and have had so many memories and um, so it was, it was really a, a wonderful time. Also, we got to miss winter. Uh, wow. <laughs> summer summer in South Africa is uh, it's a lot easier than winter in Indiana. Um, so, but all of that all of that said, I'm I'm glad to be back in spring. Things are back uh, in full swing here, and Good. yeah, praise God. Good deal. So you were helping Riley build on his uh, house here in Southern Illinois. And then you were going to do some building out there as well. So, I mean, you're pretty handy. I mean, you got, you got uh, your bearings when it comes to rebuilding a house and remodeling a house now. No, man, I, I'm part of the, uh, the lost, the lost generation of children who grew up with no skills. Um, so working with Riley was like, <laughs> working with Riley was like, no way. So <laughs> you can do that. Um, so uh, I think what I what I gleaned from Riley was just the confidence to to make mistakes and and go for it. You know, often the the dudes who are are uh, great tradesmen and and men with skills that we admire so much, it's just that they've been doing it for forty years and they've done all yeah. the mistakes and they don't do do the mistake anymore. So, yeah, man, I was working on the on uh, the property that we have over there, and um, it, let me put it this way: I did not achieve what I wanted to achieve, but okay. I if I had to do it three or four times over, I would become pretty proficient at what we were trying to achieve. But again, um, we, we got what we needed to get done. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still very much a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Incompetent when it comes okay. to the skills of trades. <laughs> uh, some guys, you know, you can learn that stuff over the years. And I certainly have gotten a lot better at working with my hands and understanding how things work and the process there. But there are some people that are wired to be able to look at something and immediately know what to do. And then uh, the big thing about building and remodeling that I've noticed is that not only do you have to know how to do it, but you have to know how to problem solve. So yeah. if, you know, if uh, like with Riley, if I would have bought that house and then crawled under that house and saw the foundation, I would have been utterly devastated. I mean, praying, crying out to the Lord that night, <laughs> 
you know, God have mercy on, on me. Yeah. And he's shrugging his shoulders like, well, I guess we'll just have to jack up this house and shore up the foundation. And uh, yeah, we'll do that. We'll probably get to that next week. And uh, yeah. that that kind of stuff is admirable for sure. But may, maybe one of these days, man, we'll be at Riley's level or, or somewhere close to that. That's right. At least call ourselves competent. Yep. That's it. I just want to get to the competent phase of like, won't embarrass myself um, <laughs> when other, other gentlemen come and visit the project or something. Oh, that's good. All right. Well, today I wanted to have you on because we're about a month away, actually less than a month away now from come together in, in uh, Eminence, Missouri and spending a couple of days on the river, floating the river and talking about Dominion. Uh, you're going to talk about a bunch of things that you regularly talk about when it comes to localism and local communities and how to put a flag in the ground for the glory of God and just say this belongs to the Lord and we're, we're taking charge here. Uh, for the good of the people that are closest to us. And uh, so I've, I've really enjoyed just listening to you, bro. I've been listening to a lot of the podcast and just been learning so much and then getting that, you know, hang out with you four or five months ago. It was just a, a really cool thing. So Jordan and I have really loved what you and Kelly are doing. And I want to give the guys that are going to be coming to the intensive and those that may be thinking about coming next month, 12, here, quick plug, 12th to the 14th of May, Eminence, Missouri, 175 bucks if you want to sleep on the side of the, of the river uh, in a camp and a tent. And it's 275 if you want like a, you know, if you want to be one of these uh, frilly guys, I think what uh, Scott calls you as a soy boy. If you're a soy boy, you can sleep in this hotel kind of thing that's on the side of the river for 275 uh, But that covers all the food expenses. It, call, it covers everything. You just got to get there, bring your tent and uh, you, you can come and be a part of this thing. And Scott's going to be teaching four sessions. So we're going to be talking about uh, a lot of great stuff, but I just wanted to ask you a few things leading up to giving us a, a sneak peek into this content. I've been listening to, listen to you talk about my people, my place now for months and the responsibility of, of taking care of things local. And, you know, you can get bogged down as you look global and even state national issues. But if you bring things local, why is localism so important? And why is my people, my place so important? Yeah, I, I think, you know, you always first have to kind of define the context um, of any of any idea, of any project, of, of any system that you're looking at is what is the context? And for us right now, our context is this clown world, this liberal world that wants everything globalized. Everything must be uh, available to access. Uh, you have no roots. You have no... Uh, distinctive differences to any other people group. You can be you can be picked up from from one country and and popped into another country, and you're just a cog in these economic zones. Um, whereas when you look at at the biblical model of like what did God what did God want for us uh, to do on this earth? The, the first kind of institution was family. You know, we are, we are to, uh, first of all, you know, build a family. Like that is one of the kind of purposes, the general purposes of man. Cause, cause we have, we have this trouble as men in this globalized liberal context of like, what am I meant to do with my life? What is my purpose? I feel purposeless. I have nihilism. Um, what's the point to life? You know, I want a special call from the Lord. And, you know, first we can just look at the general calls of the Lord. And, and so one of them is get married, be fruitful, multiply. Um, and so family is one of the first institutions, one of the first authority systems that, that we can have power over, that we can control. Beyond that is your neighbors, right? Loving your neighbors as yourself. If I constantly live in a different place every year, if I'm, if I'm in a different uh, 
um, house or city or job every year and I'm moving around, I don't really get to know my neighbors. Um, you know, I, I lived that life uh, right. previously. You know, I lived in the city and, you know, I lived in a, in a high rise apartment block where you don't even know the neighbors' names. You know, you, you might like see them in the elevator and be like, hey, and that's about it. Um, and, and the reason you don't want to get to know them is because it's so transient. You know, you know you're going to be gone next year or they're going to be gone next year. Um, and it's just uncomfortable. We've been programmed um, by the media and, and the cultural um, kind of institutions to not invest in other people, to not get discomfort, to get uncomfortable um, and perform the duties uh, and the responsibilities of neighborliness. Um, so getting, getting stuck into one place, being long in one place for a long time is how you find belonging. It's how you find meaning of like, hey, I know, you know, my, where I grew up in South Africa, my best friend that I went to school with, um, his dad knew my dad, mm -hmm. his grandparents knew my grandparents. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and then God willing, once we have children, my children will know his children. Um, that's, you know, four, five generations of meaning of belonging of neighborliness. It changes how you operate. It changes how you work in the world when you actually have your neighbor's interests at heart. You know, I don't want to go and do things that would harm my, my neighbor, disrespect my neighbor. But if I'm in a city block where I don't know my neighbors, I don't really care to honor them or respect their interests or even find out what their interests are. Yeah. So that's the second kind of institution is local economy, you know, this local life. Um, Wendell Berry is a great author. He writes many essays on agrarianism, on localism, um, on agricultural uh, philosophy. Mm -hmm. But he, he really says how the degradation of America um, has come from the destruction of these small American towns uh, through economy. The people can no longer stay in cities to to survive economically mm -hmm. so that's why it's very important to not only just be like oh yeah neighborliness oh yeah local but what local like local what local economy right if i want my my five generation uh, best friend neighbor up the road from where i grew up to to stay in my community and to be happy in my community and to contribute to my community he has to be well off economically yeah. we have to we have to go and use his business or his services or his product to make sure that he can stay in this place and provide for his family there and actually enjoy it. Mm -hmm. But if we go to the, the big global corporations um, who have undercut my friend and who have replaced his products with, with foreign products, with cheaper products from somewhere else, from someone else's locality, mm -hmm. then he eventually is going to have to, um, you know, uh, either move to the, to the city uh, to, to figure out how to survive um, or he's going to become embittered and live on welfare if that's a possibility and collect junk on his lawn mm -hmm. uh, because, because his economy has been broken. Um, and so, you know, when you look at, at family and local, uh, those are the two institutions that we have power over, yeah. you know? So when, when the news are constantly saying Washington DC and Israel and China and Russia and, you know, name your global problem or even your national problem many times, you know, like, Oh, you won't believe what's happening in New York. None of that. It matters. Like, sure. It matters, but none of it is controllable by me. 
You right. know, what is controllable by me? My family, right? So as a patriarch of my family, you know, you can control so many things. You can control whether uh, your wife has to go out and uh, work in a corporate HR that makes her believe in certain uh, religious um, affirmations in order to work there. Uh, you you can control whether your children go out to a school where they have to believe in certain religious affirmations in order to go there. Uh, you can control those things. Yeah. You know, you can control um, your in your local economy. Am I going to go and support all my friends' businesses? Am I going to, you know, we were just chatting about this offline, but like with church institutions, of like, am I going to go and support a church institution um, that is is being faithful to the word of God and not bowing to the liberal culture? Am I going to go to, um, you know, these companies that are are dishonoring God, dishonoring our people in place and give them my money? You know, these are all things that we can control and that give us power again to start building Christendom. You know, yeah. so if we are right now in clown world, how do we get out of clown world? Like that's the number one big question so many guys are asking is like, how do I protect my family from clown world? Yeah, man, phenomenal stuff. And just in case you didn't know, and I'm sure that you do know this because you've probably been told so many times, but uh, you and I having this conversation makes us incredibly racist, um, apparently. And to yep. love to actually love your neighbor and to love your people and love your place for some reason has uh, by globalists, by those who constantly want to turn our attention away from the people that are actually right in front of us. Somehow this has been turned into something that is a boogeyman. It's a Christian nationalism or, or yeah. whatever. I, I want to throw out a few words to you and I want you to react to some of these things. I want to talk about three things leading up to Christian nationalism and uh, w why that boogeyman list, you know, like uh, let's just show how it's kind of awesome. Um, but I want to read something from the apostle Paul in Romans, because this, as you're talking about people in place, just you've read this before, but I want to read what Paul said about his fellow kinsmen, the Jewish people. For I wish I could myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, to the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, whom God is over all, blessed be forever. Amen. Now, I don't know if I could say that to say that I could be cursed for the sake of my kinsmen. He loved his Jewish people. He did. Yep. I mean, you can't, you can't get around that. He's pleading for them uh, and yep. he wants them to know Christ. And now you fast forward. And if you say that I'm against pluralism, I don't, if you love your religion, stay where you're at, don't immigrate here and then demand we bow down to your gods. If you, you used to, the understanding of immigration is you don't like where you're at. You want to come here and you want to assimilate into this culture. Today, yep. it's become, you come here, we will adopt your values and worship your values. And then yeah. we will say, we're sorry for our values. And then this whole Christian nationalism thing. So uh, let's talk about pluralism, immigration, Christian nationalism. And one more thought as I just continue on my rambling here. One of the ways I've encouraged guys to think through some of the things I've learned from you is let's just say the scenario is I get elected as the mayor of Carbondale. Illinois. You know, you've been here, you visited, you know, this town, I'm the, now the mayor of this town. And if I spent all of my time taking the tax dollars that are paid into our city and turning our attention to Marion, you know, where crown brew is and yep. talking about Marion all the time and being critical of Carbondale about how terrible Carbondale is. And just always thinking about Marion and Marion, 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 rightly people in our community would say, bro, 
would you just stop that? Would you quit doing that? We elected you to take responsibility here. Your people, yeah. this is your place. And somehow when it comes to the national and global scale, that line of thinking gets thrown out the window where we're supposed to obsess over other countries and, and we're supposed to cry over Ukraine. And it sounds like some terrible things maybe are happening there. Um, but what I'm concerned about is my family and our church family. And so for some reason that that is viewed as uh, something, a terrible thing. But let's talk about pluralism. And in light of what I just said and, and everything that I rambled on about, immigration and Christian nationalism. You got any thoughts about those three words? Maybe we can take them in sequential order. Why is pluralism a really stupid idea? Yeah, I, I think, you know, when you look at, at Paul saying like, I love, I love my, I love my people, you know, I was the Jew of Jews. So that is my context. Now Christ has come and his, his blessing, his salvation, his redemption is for all men, whether you are Jew or Greek, whether you're a woman or a slave or a fancy boy, salvation is for all men. You know, none of us are out here saying like, oh, well, uh, you know, the Eskimos can't be saved, actually. <laughs> you know, like that's just such a it's such a weird straw man. But, but here's the deal, right? So Paul's like, I love my people. I, I love them so much that I would be accursed that they could be saved, would repent institutionally, right? As a people group that we would have Jewish people loving the Lord Jesus Christ and then using their institutions to become more obedient to Christ. You know, we, we should disciple the nations, teaching them to obey Christ. That doesn't mean you go, um, you know, to that doesn't mean you go to South Africa and you plant a cross in the sand or in the soil at South Africa and then like say a prayer over it and then be like, all right, we've discipled Africa. No, it 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 means you go to that place and you you raise up men there, you appoint elders there. You, you know, it's it's what um, Paul did for for Timothy or Titus. Excuse my, my theology, theology bros. Excuse my uh, loose um, Bible quoting here. But but go to that place and appoint elders. It means don't take with you a whole bunch of white boys from America to go to South Africa, and then we're going to now colonize and run their lives for them. It's like no, from among them. Teach them to have patriarchs. Teach them to love their own people as unto the Lord. Teach them uh, to, to steer their families to love God, to steer their churches to love God, to steer their schools to love God, to steer their mayors to love God. And so that is this. Um, so I, I'm, I'm being derailed away from pluralism here. Um, That's all right. but, but basically, <laughs> our, the, this, this idea of, of Paul saying, I wish that I were a curse, that my people would be saved. Everybody loves their own people, you know, and some people have calls. Some people are the outsiders who are like, I really feel called to the Japanese. Well, like, God bless you, brother. Go and raise up patriarchs there to go and love the Japanese. But the majority of us are just going to be like, yeah, I love my small town. I love my neighbors. Uh, this is my best friend of five generations. Um, married my high school sweetheart. Like, this is my world. This is my world. And I wish that I were accursed that all of these people who I live around would know the Lord Jesus Christ and be redeemed by him. The problem comes in when we don't feel um, ashamed or guilty of our past. So, so Christ, he is our atonement. He is our redemption from past sins, even generational uh, sins, if you want to call them that. Like once I have believed in my heart and professed with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, I'm clean, bro. Like yeah, I'm yeah. not beholden to old sins of fathers, to even my old sins. It, you know, obviously there's now a repentance issue and a discipleship issue, and I want to walk toward holiness. Of course, I'm not, I'm not 
saying that. I'm not not saying that. But here's where the liberal order comes in, is that in-group preference, which is what they would call racism, mm -hmm. but it's only for white people, right? So right. if where I grew up, where the Zulus and the Kosas and the Indians all have a very high and strong in-group preference, nobody calls that racist. They're just like, oh yeah, the Indians, they prefer their own. The Zulus mm -hmm. prefer their own. The Kosas prefer their own. No one, no one calls that sinful. No one even cares that that is the case. But the moment a white boy does that, there's a problem. That is a, an egregious sin against the liberal morality. The liberal morality wants to destroy Christian families. Mm -hmm. They want to destroy Christian nations. You know, if God's call is to disciple the nations, well, then what would Satan's call be? Well, let's destroy those nations before they can be discipled. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to um, America, there are predominantly white people in a lot of American towns, villages. Of course, there's multicultural areas. Of course, there's different ethnicities and things. But when it comes to the, the white people within America, they have very strong families, very strong institutions. And those institutions do not take kindly to liberal morality. Mm -hmm. And so the only tool that you have uh, to attack uh, white Christian families uh, to attack white Christian churches, to attack white Christian schools, to attack white Christian, any institution is to call them racist for mm -hmm. taking care right. of their own. Yeah. And then say, you're not allowed to take care of Carbondale, Mayor. You have to go and take care of, of Marion. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait, but Marion's also pretty white. No, no, <laughs> you have to go take care of those little boys in Africa who have flies on their lips. Because if you don't, then you are evil. And it's like, that's total straw man. That's not within your authority. And, and then take the opposite here. When Paul says, I love the Jews so much that I wish I was accursed, that they would be loved by the Lord, that they would see how much they are loved by the Lord. It doesn't mean I now hate the Greeks. It doesn't mean yeah, I now hate exactly. the Ethiopian. It doesn't mean I now hate uh, the... Paul went and said, he's like, hey, watch out for those Cretans. They're a bunch of lying buggers. Uh, just watch out. <laughs> you know? It's like, that doesn't mean he hates them. He's just saying like, look, as a people group, they've got some racial stereotypes. We're still going to go preach the gospel to them. Just be aware that mm -hmm. when you do preach the gospel to them, there's going to be some <laughs> racial stereotypes. Right. That's not hating them. You know, it's like, come on, man. There's so many, uh, there's so many straw mans about, uh, about loving your own people, loving your own place. You know, I, I often give this um, kind of metaphor, simile, whatever. If you love your wife, this does not mean you hate every other woman on the planet. Yeah, Just because good. you've chosen right. to have an in-group with your wife does not mean you hate every other woman on the planet. However, it also doesn't mean in order to prove that you don't hate every other woman on the, on the earth, you should now give any woman that asks your bank account, your house, your car keys. It's like, no, no, no. I'm fully within my authority and within my rights, yeah. uh, my God-given rights as a patriarch to deny every other woman on earth access to the things that my wife has. That's not hateful. It's, it's the right use of authority. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when it comes to, to pluralism, a, a lot of times it's like other cultures are going to have different, uh, different demands, different interests, different ways of doing things. And that's okay for them. You know, I'm not going to go over and try and change them. But likewise, they must afford me the respect. They must afford me the honor that if they do come over here, 
then they abide. You know, if, if another woman does come over to my house, you know, to, to visit or whatever, she must, she must respect the rules of my house. She must respect the position of my wife. Uh, and if she doesn't, then I'm within my rights to say, no, you don't come here. You don't yeah. visit ever again. Right. So that was a ramble. Yeah, that's a good ramble. I appreciate it. And, you know, as I've been thinking through a lot of this stuff that I've learned from you and pieced together just really over the last couple of years, thinking about, you know, the role of the church in the public sphere and the role of Christian pastors shepherding God's people, but also thinking more broadly as God's word is, is authoritative everywhere and in all of life and really having some course correction there where I kind of thought you could stiff arm God's word. And even though I wouldn't have articulated it this way, I would have very much agreed with it functionally that God's word and the authority of his words stop in every place that people stiff arm it. So only where God's, where the Bible is embraced is where God's word is authoritative. And then, you know, thinking through this, wait a minute, if God spoke about anything, then whatever it is he spoke about is, it's kind of like the kingship of Christ. He is the yeah. ruler of kings, whether or not the, the lesser kings in this world recognize that authority or not. Same thing with his law, his precepts, his principles, the Proverbs wisdom, all of it is superior to anything that we can find in this world. So in thinking through that, it, it causes you to think about things like immigration. It causes you to think yep. about your people and your place. Here we are in the United States. Before Irish Catholic immigration, we had primarily 98% Protestant, at least uh, in this country, people that claim to be Protestant and yep. even cities that would employ their pastors and the, the civic realm and the ecclesiastical realm and the family realm were intertwined and had some, uh, some, some checks and balances there. But yep. so th thinking about this thing called Christian nationalism, okay, with, in regards to, to immigration, here's where I'm at now. And let's just bounce this around. Tell me I'm crazy or say, you know, I, I like that. And here's how you should be thinking about that, Jared. I don't want any non-Christian coming to our country ever again. If they are Muslim, then stay in your Muslim country and fight for Sharia law there, if that's what you want. Yep. If you're a Hindu, stay where you're at. If you're going to come to America, if you're going to move into a particular area or place, move there because you appreciate those values and you want to assimilate in. Yes. And so... Am I thinking crazy here that we should want more and more Christians and we should want to protect, you know, our, our area from things and people coming in that are going to come and destroy and aim to destroy what's being built? Yeah, you know, often you see if you go to a restaurant or, a you know, any public kind of uh, place, you often see on the door or like on the on the gate or whatever it says, right of admission reserved. That is the first principle of authority of any property of any uh, authority system you know my, my in house right of admission reserved and so i'm happy for people who who absolutely you know love my family and are good for my family to drop by and visit and spend time here and it's like man i really like having you here yes you can stay as long as you want yes here's the keys to the back door yes you have privileges privileges now that are afforded to family members because you honor us and treat us and love us as if you have our best interests at heart. It's the same way on a national scale. You know, you want people to come here because exactly like you say, you love the culture, you love 
the people. You love the the life that these people are leading. Mm-hmm. And so you say, how can I honor and integrate and contribute to? Because it's not just enough for me to say, oh, I love America. I want in on the American life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to come here and consume. Why, you know, oh, I honor it, I honor it, but I'm just taking. I'm just mm-hmm. taking. No, no, you have to give. You know, you have to contribute. Uh, you know, you can't just show up to family parties and eat all the food. No, you have to bring a dish. You have to help clean up afterward. You mm-hmm. have to arrive 30 minutes early and help put up all the tents and the chairs. You know, you don't just get to arrive here uh, and take, take, take. And, and everyone will understand that, that metaphor of like, of course. But the moment you, you, you put that on a national scale of who do we allow uh, to, to come here? Who do we not allow to come here? Of course, it's going to be for the best interests of the host population. Mm-hmm. And so what's happened in America, what's happened across the Anglosphere, across um, you know, the English-speaking world, is that it is no longer publicly acceptable to advocate for the host nations of those countries, for the host right. populations yeah, of exactly. those countries. You know, so instead of saying, what would be best for Minnesota? You know, what would be best to resettle people here in Minnesota? We are a, uh, they are a white Scandinavian culture, Protestant-y, Lutheran-y, whatever that is. Um, what would fit best for people to come in there? Um, and what wouldn't? And let them kind of decide what, what would be the best people to come in. Instead, you've got this government that says, oh, Let's get a whole bunch of Muslim Somalis mm-hmm. who have never lived in a first world economy, have never lived through a winter, and let's go and drop them all off in the middle of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like no one is thinking about the best interests, first of the Minnesotans, right. you know, and then anytime a Minnesotan says, wait a minute, I don't like this. This is not to my interests. They're like, well, you're selfish and you're a racist and you're a bigot and you're a, um, what's the, the word they use, a xenophobe and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and it's like, no, 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 chaps, like we have a right to to not want our places to look different. You know, mm-hmm. we love our culture. We love our heritage. We love our history. And we want only people who will honor that and and protect that. Yeah. And then it's not fair to the Somalis either, because they're just a pawn in this game to destroy um, the fabric of this once Christian nation, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it's not fair to them. It's not fair to them to drop them in in crazy six-month-a-year winters and drop them in a first-world society that they don't – I'm a third-world immigrant, right? Mm-hmm. My wife has to still write checks for me because I've never written a check in my life. Oh, wow. You know, I've <laughs> – it's just different, right? That's just one little example. But it's like I come over here. I'm very I'm very adjacent in culture, right? I speak the language. I adhere to the religion. Um, I like the people that I've, you know, I've married in to the culture. So I, I very much like my extended family. I like the area that my wife grew up in. I'm very honorable of it. Even I have problems assimilating. I will never be considered American. But there is a, there is a, um, there is a way for me to still honor and, and love all of these Americans that I am around mm-hmm. in such a way that my children will be American and will yeah. grow up feeling American. What happens when you enclave all these people who don't fit, who aren't adjacent, their children don't grow up feeling American. And so you end up storing up all of these grievances, um, racial animosity between these groups that didn't need to be there because it's like, you don't, uh, you weren't forced to come 
to Minnesota to take refuge from the wars in Somalia. Mm -hmm. You know, the UN has a thing that says you go to the next safe country. Who is bringing these people from Somalia? Why didn't they just go down to Kenya? Right, you know, why didn't right. they just go one one place away where they would still feel like the people, they would still have similar civilizational um, ability to navigate society. Um, and as you know, it, it just, there's so many things that don't make sense that instead of saying, Hey, let's, let's talk about this. Let's talk about everyone's interests. The moment, you know, the host nation says, wait, our interests aren't being served. It's an immediate, you know, ad hominem of like, well, you're evil. Yeah. Uh, you're racist for, for what? And it's like, that word doesn't control us anymore. You know, yeah, that word, exactly. it's not a, it's not a Christian, um, sin, you know, the, this thing called racism doesn't exist in the, in the Christian Bible. If you're trying to accuse me of of hatred towards another group, you know, hatred might be a sin or, or murder in my heart. That 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 might be a legitimate sin. Mm -hmm. uh, do I have hatred towards Somalis? No, I don't. I, I actually feel very sorry for them. Mm -hmm. You know, this is yeah. not serving them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we want there is a level of I mean, Paul in Corinth is pleading with Jew and Gentile alike. Like, I beg you be reconciled to God. Like, I'm, I'm pleading with you here. My heart and my desire is that you would bow a knee to Jesus. That's going to be better for you, no matter where you're at around the world. We're talking about national yeah. things right now, but even thinking about it again, a way for people to maybe think think through this and wrap their head around this. At a local scale, I saw an article today about the first lesbian bishop. Uh, this lady is wanting to have a uh, Islamic prayer room, like a prayer room for local Muslims to come in and pray in the church building. And, and take down all the crosses. Yes, and take down all the crosses. So it sounds like, okay, you saw that as well. And Christians, we re recognize, wait a minute, if you're going to come into our church, if you want to be a part of this church, you have to renounce all other gods, you have to repent of all your sins, and then you have to turn to Christ. And if you want to be publicly aligned with us, you have to recognize the lordship of Christ and the authority of God's word, or you don't have a place here. You, you, you can't be a part of our people. We will love you yeah. to the point that we'll tell you, you can't come and assimilate in. We will not honor what you believe. We will not honor yeah. what you think. We will call you out of that. And that on a, a local, that is right and true. And many people would agree would, that would agree with that would then say to a nation or to a city, no, you should be obsessed with every town around you and you should be obsessed with every nation around you. Yeah when that's just and it's not and it's not loving to your own people you know that that shepherd is not loving to or I, I don't want to say that shepherd is not loving to her flock because that's just like heebie-jeebie what did i just say <laughs> you know i don't believe women should be shepherds right. <laughs> uh, but let's say whatever man is an authority over her because there will be some male uh, bishop or whatever that is uh protecting her and and um institutionally advancing her but but they are letting wolves into their flock mm -hmm. you know you don't Again, we have to take this back to a scale that we can understand. I don't let a druggie off the street come into my home and just, you know, because it's very loving. It is very loving. It's very uh, Christian virtue of like, yeah, man, you won't believe it, but I let four druggies this year live in my house. That's how virtuous and Christian I am. It's like, whoa, bro, you are so Christian. You're, you know, but it's like, okay, if I was a single dude, uh, just a just a frat bro, and I have a frat with four homeless guys. Of course, you know, wonderful, good on you, brother. Mm -hmm. But the moment I have a wife, I am now putting my wife in danger. Exactly. Yep. I am now taking away her peaceful place that she should feel uh, peace, not anxiety or fear 
Um, and that's exactly what's happened in places like Sweden, in Minnesota, in, uh, you know, name your place where they've, they've brought in these, these totally disparate uh, cultural people groups. There is now violence. There is now um, uh, a lot of kind of grievance crimes mm-hmm. um, against against the host nations, women specifically, children specifically. Right. Um, and it's just it's it's like, man, have we have we got no men who will stand up for the interests of their town? You know, again, it's not it's not just it's not just a thing of like, oh, you know, we don't like your culture or whatever. It's like, no, what is this going to do for the woman in my town? Mm-hmm. What is this going to do for the children in my right. town? What is this going to do for the women and children in my church? Like, no, we will not. Uh, we will not bow to this liberal idol. Yeah, yeah, and I tell you what, it was demonstrated also in an example just a year ago or so with Kyle Rittenhouse, where he was legally going to defend a friend's property, and people in that city going to defend properties. And what happens is those who are going to defend and actually stand up for their people, their place, doing something admirable. And let's just remove him. Anybody who would do that thing, the weird clown world thing yep. that we're talking about that you were mentioning is that that person gets villainized and we, you have to be at, at a place where you're okay. I mean, certainly, hopefully in 2022, you're okay with being called a conspiracy theorist at this point or a racist at this point. And if not, we've got to get some thick skin to really not care at all. Yep. When people when people call us names like that, it just it just doesn't yep. matter. Okay, let's turn the corner a little bit. I want to talk about the intensive. I know that some of these themes, I'm sure, are probably woven into the talks. You got four sessions. I'm pumped. I can't wait to hear about it. We've titled the the theme Dominion, and then I've just given you the liberty to, to just come up with four talks, man, and uh, talk to us about it. So give us a little bit of a sneak peek about what you're going to be talking about, and uh, hopefully, you know, like I said, get the interest going of, of the guys that are listening in. Yeah, man. I, I think the way I'm going to kind of go about this is uh, number one context. You know, we're going to, we're going to get to a place where can we all see rightly the context that we are in? You know, if you're, if you're looking at a map, if you're trying to take uh, take a fort or, or uh, climb a mountain, first we have to roll out the map and say, what is the terrain? What are we facing? What are the realities that are going to stop us from getting to our goal? Um, and so that's number one is context bookended with that is vision destination, our target, what is our target? You know, so, so we're going to be talking about what does it mean to build Christendom? What does it mean to build our way out of clown world? What does it mean to hit the target to say at the end of, of our life? Like I am a success. I've done what God has put for me, uh, put in front of me to do. Um, I've walked out all of the scales of authority that have been on my life. Um, which then is a, is a kind of a corollary now of, of the middle part, which is orientation, right? So mm-hmm. we've got the context, we've got the, the target. Where are we on this map? How far away are we from our target? Who are we? You know, if you're, a, if you're playing, um, you know, sports or if you're in a war or, or whatever kind of metaphor you want to look at, you want to ask, what is my team capable of doing? What am I capable of doing? Who am I? You know, am I just an, a nihilist, orphan, individualist, um, or am I called to be a patriarch? Am I called to be a king that Christ is king of? Uh, have I got authority that the Bible expects me to wield? We have to orientate ourselves rightly and then say, okay, these are the things I can do. No ways. And then, and then lastly, um, the kind of fourth kind of thing is we need to go and do them. You know, it's, it's right. good to have a target. It's good to know where you are. 
but now you have to start acting. You have to start putting momentum toward the target. You know, that, that whole thing of, um, you know, it's good to, to have a direction, but if you just sit, you know, you're, you're going to get, it, it's the book of James, right? You look into the perfect uh, law, you look into the word and, and you, if you don't do it, if you don't do the word, you, you walk away and you forget what you look, you forget who you are. You forget your right. identity. Yeah, that's good. So I, I really want it to be practical. I don't want to just go there and, and talk theology and philosophy and, and cool concepts. It's, I really want us to, to be uh, encouraged, uh, number one, to, to network with other guys. You know, none of us want to be alone. None of us want to die on the hill alone of like, oh, yeah, let's go take that hill. But I'm mm-hmm. kind of the only guy I know. If there's going to be, I don't know, 50 guys there, hopefully more. Um, it's like, no ways. There's 50 dudes who, who are charging right, right next to me. Like, I'm pumped. And then, you know, more than that, um, I, my life actually counts, you know, there, mm-hmm. there's a huge, uh, area in Christianity that I believe is a, is a, uh, a barrier to Christendom is that every man thinks that the only work that counts for the Lord is the ministry mm-hmm. that yeah, every, right. uh, yeah. that every man who wants to please God has to go into the ministry. And it's like, no guys, you know, only like 10% of dudes are going to be called to the ministry. The rest of us are going to be in media, in academia, mm-hmm in in economy building businesses doing trades providing services uh, in the government realm you know there's so much for us to walk out as christian men and so my, my last point and to relate this back to christian nationalism christian nationalism is not a pope as president christian nationalism is not yeah, a council right. of churches as congress mm-hmm. christian nationalism is christian men at the top of every hierarchy it's christian men leading businesses it's Christian men in political offices. It's Christian men in bureaucratic seats. It's Christian men uh, running institutions. Because then it's it's an ideal of, of all of these Christian men are going to want to please the Lord and live in a way that is, is going to bring all of their institutions uh, into discipleship, right? That is how you disciple a nation, is all of the institutions have Christian patriarchs, Christian kings uh, sitting in judgment over them. Heck yeah, man. May it be. May we see it and may we see some of that progress. It's pretty cool. You know, I'm thinking about all the things that are behind the gates of hell. A lot of things behind the gates of hell. Uh, CDC, (laughs) behind the gates of hell. Um, Oh, are you there? Yep, I got you there. Okay. Uh, The forces of darkness behind the gates of hell. And here we are. I mean, plundering the gates of hell. I mean, plowing into it, only retreating to come back and regroup and reorganize to go at it again and continue to push back the forces of darkness. And as patriarchs raise up in every area of life, praise God, man, may may we see it. Uh, We want to see revival. I mean, mean, when I was a kid at our church, we would literally every Thursday night be on our faces praying that God would send revival, just praying good old fashioned revival. And certainly, man, I want to see that. And I think one of the things that I missed in that is that God can do that again. I mean, there was a first great, great awakening. There was a second great awakening. There was a revival in Wales. There's been revivals all around the world where God did this incredible work that really is only explainable by sovereign grace, where it was just his decision to move and a lot of people at the same time. And God can certainly do that. And through the faithfulness of patriarchs standing at their post and fighting yeah. for the glory of God with courage, there's a both and thing here where we can see and we can see the, the mission of God advance. And I'm excited. I can't wait to hear yeah. your talks. I can't wait for the guys to hear your talks. 
I can't wait for the men from our church that are coming to come and, and just learn from you. So it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, man. Uh, tell us where we can find out more information. And for everybody listening in, you can come and hear Scott. Like I said, May 4, uh, May 12th through the 14th. Just reach out to me if you have any questions. Reach, reach out to Scott. He can point you in the right direction. We'll have uh, information in the show notes. Uh, as far as everything you got going on, tell us about your site. Tell us about Courage, my lads, uh, your YouTube streams. Just tell us where we can find more info about you. Yeah, praise God. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, so uh, Twitter, at uh, Courage, my lads. Uh, same for YouTube. I live stream um, pretty much uh, weekdays. I've been all over the place just getting back from South Africa and settling in, but but I uh, we'll get back to live streaming every day. Um, and we just chat about all of these things, patriarchy, localism, nationalism, um, you know, the, the things that we really want to talk about, but are kind of taboo, um, in polite society, in, in politically correct society. Um, I'm on Gab as well at Scott Tange or Courage My Lads, either one. Um, and then my wife and I have a YouTube channel, Scott and Kelly, that's Kelly with an I, uh, we talk about localism, homemaking, uh, you know, the, the more feminine side of, of all of these, uh, these things. Cause it really is a, it's, it's a, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to build Christendom without our help meets. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's where we're at. I'm trying to think of if I forgot. Oh, and then my, my, uh, my website is scotttungay.com. Um, and that's where I, I put blog posts and all these links, uh, to, to YouTube and, and podcasts and all that kind of thing. Good deal. Well, man, it's a lot of fun and looking forward to, uh, for everybody else that's going to, you know, be going, not going to the intensive, we're going to record the sessions and hopefully put together some sort of thing that we can package and put online to, uh, uh, for you guys to be able to hear what he's going to be teaching awesome. on. But, but guys, thanks so much for coming. I've been talking to Scott Tungay. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, brother. Praise God. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any more questions about the ministry, you can visit the site at theshepherdscrook.co. You can also find a link to register for the intensive under the intensive tab. Thanks for listening.